Welcome back. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Brandon Carney alongside Pat Gustafson, and uh, I am fresh off a dentist appointment, and uh, I had a bad time, but I went, and that's what counts. So, 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 how how long had had it been since your uh, since your last dentist appointment, uh, Pat? Normally, I would say that information is classified, uh, but considering I tweeted it, I, I suppose it's not classified. Uh, it had been nine years since I had been to the dentist last. N- and uh, Nine years? L- listen, listen. That's too I many can, years. Listen, I'm aware that's too many years. Well, here's what happened, okay? When I was young, dentist was not a fun time, all right? Teeth hurt every time. Lots of pain, lots of blood. Didn't enjoy it. When that became my responsibility to then make my own dentist appointments, I chose just simply not to do that. And I can recall a moment my sophomore year of college, I was at home. I got a call that said, uh, we're just calling to confirm your appointment for tomorrow. It was one that I had made like the six months back or whatever. And I have so much dental anxiety that I was like, I cannot go to the dentist on a day's notice. I had no idea they were going to call me. I had forgotten all about it. So I ignored that call, ignored that appointment. And that was my last dentist appointment until uh, yesterday. So now, do, do you at least like keep up strong oral hygiene? Like, do, 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 you know... It's good enough. Uh, I would I would okay. be sitting here lying to you if I said I'm I'm a regular flosser. I certainly am not. However, oh God, me uh, regu- regular brusher certainly. And uh, you know it, what I was told is that you know there's certainly some some gum problems here, but the teeth are healthy, no cavities. I'm still going strong, Pat. 27 years, zero cavities. So I'll take that one to hopefully my grave, or at least to my 30th birthday. We're going strong here. <laughs> yeah. um, but otherwise, you're we were old, good. By they were the like, way, according uh, to Twitter, yeah. you're old. I, you know, I fuck. Twitter's full of thirteen-year-olds. They're all doing their algebra homework. I'm here making money doing content, so they can blow me. I'm uh, doing anyway. neither. <laughs> Pat, I promise the podcast will make money at some point. But that is where I've been. Uh, that is why there was no content yesterday. But I am here for the podcast because I'm a man of the people. And uh, we're back. And, Pat, I finally got a playoff game wrong, and I'm very upset. I was still going strong, still perfect on my picks up until Bill's Chiefs, up until T-Bass, T-Ass decided to miss that kick. And, I mean, look, the Chiefs may have still won the game even if they made that kick. That is plenty of time for Patrick Mahomes, and we know what happened the last time those two went to overtime anyway if that was the route that it took but sadly uh brand stradamus's playoff picks are are no longer completely accurate yeah and um i'm i'm still going strong i kind of hedged my bets because like when we made our picks before the playoffs i said that it was going to be um i said it was going to be ravens bills in the afc championship game and then Last week, I said I liked the Chiefs. So one yeah. way or the other, I was going to be right at some point. So I'm just going to start doing that now at every possible opportunity. It's I mean, just Pat, publicly hedging my own bets. I mean, Pat, that's podcasting 101. What we do here, especially for fantasy football season, is we talk both positively and negatively about every player. And then depending on the outcome, that's the clip we dig up. Nobody's going to bother to go find the original podcast where we said the other thing. Like, we just got to find the thing that says we're right and then pump that to the public because that's what's going to, you know, make us seem like fucking geniuses. So I, I, I vote that we continue to uh, or that we at least start doing that if we haven't been doing it already. Have we been doing that? You guys will never know, hopefully. Uh, But we are going to go through every game just like we did last week, uh, every game that just happened this weekend, and then preview this upcoming week uh, weekend of uh, AFC and NFC Championship games. Very, very good matchups, very good teams still remaining. I think that was going to be the case regardless of who won, but this definitely feels like the 
the highest profile outcome of the teams that were left from last weekend. These are the matchups that uh, I I, I think have, you know, some of the biggest star power. Ravens-Bills would have been just as good as Ravens-Chiefs. But aside from that, all of the quote-unquote right teams won the games to create some uh, some really fun matchups here. Pat, we'll jump right into it. Ravens versus Texans, first game of this past weekend. Um, Started out in a way that I was like, you know, the Texans might have a shot here. But ultimately, it was... The game came down to the Ravens looked flat. I mean, they had they coming off a bye week. It's not super surprising to see Happens. something like that. Um, their their team just did not look super in sync. What I did see was Lamar Jackson getting notably pissed throughout several points of that game and uh he he said after the game he was like you know at halftime it was a lot of me talking a lot of me cussing some people out a little bit you know not in a bad way but in a way that uh, a leader taking charge of his football team would and uh it certainly reflected itself in the second half of that game where the ravens pulled away ended up winning by a couple scores and the only way the texans ended up finding the end zone was a rogue steven sims return touchdown so certainly overall the dominant performance from the ravens that we expected it just took a little bit to until the second half for it to fully materialize and uh for the texans just this was what we not hoped for but like this is not the surprising outcome for them they they won a playoff game which is way more than anybody for you know their fan base or their team and even in their building probably expected this year and uh then they lost to the one seed in the afc is what it is it was kind of what i expected yeah, the, the the lights were just a little too bright for them, but why wouldn't they be? Why, why why wouldn't they be? Rookie quarterback, rookie coach, really young team against the best team, you know, like there's and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the fact that the lights are too bright because nobody expected them to even get to this point yet. But but yeah, even though the even though the Ravens probably didn't play their best game possible, they still won in convincing fashion. Now, are they going to be able to do that next week against the Chiefs and pull it out? Probably not. They they're going to they're going to need to be a little sharper the entire the entire game, but um, again, j- just doing just doing enough is is really all they needed to do because uh, we saw you know the Texans play one of their you know worst games in a handful of weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, looking ahead to next year for the Texans, like how do you build off this year? What exactly do you take away from this season? Uh, we, we've said it a million times; they are firmly ahead of schedule, but. Despite being ahead of schedule, there are going to be specific things that they're going to look at. Okay, why did we lose to the Ravens in the playoffs? How do we become the team that is, you know, the team to beat in the AFC? And what specific steps do they have to take? I think some of those steps are going to be taken care of naturally by just the progression of what is such a young team. Like, as crazy as it is, you know, you've got a Texans team that's going to have potentially both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, a guy who's going to be in firm contention for coach of the year despite being a rookie head coach. These guys all still have room to grow, along with tanked along with even Nico Collins, who's, you know, a few years into the league now, but this was his first year with CJ Stroud under this offensive system. Hopefully Bobby Sloak stays around, but we'll see how that one plays out. Um, A lot of this is going to just materialize from if these guys can improve from rookie year to sophomore year, and you would hope that that could be the case. As far as going to, you know, outside the organization for improvements, um, there are a couple things I think they can do. I think you know, shoring up the offensive line will definitely be part of it. Um, offensive line, Laramie Tunsil in particular, definitely overperformed this year. I, we came into the year talking about the Texans as maybe one of the worst O-lines in the league, but they ended up performing pretty admirably. If they can get up to be... A lot of injuries, too. Yeah, a lot of injuries throughout the year. sets there. Yeah, they, they were able... I mean, you know, whoever their O-line coach is, pardon me for not having that name off the top of my head, hats off because that, that line was uh, pretty solid all year long. But if you can get that point, get that line to a point where it's more, you know, 
approaching top six, seven, eight in the league, uh, which is, should be what they're aiming for with their young core being where it is. And now that's, you know, kind of the spot they should invest in. Um, I think they're going to be in really good shape and ideally a run running back, I think to enhance the run game. Look, Devin Singletary came on, stole the job from Damian Pierce, RIP Damian Pierce, by the way, he's not dead. He just kind of suck. Uh, Devin Singletary performed well, but Devin Singletary, ultimately, Pat, if you look at his stats, they were basically in line with what he does every year. He's a yeah. fine running back. This offense he, deserves more than a fine running and, back. And, and he had some insane workloads. He had a couple of games where he was approaching 30 carries, which is just insane. Like, yeah, you'd hope you're going to do something with them in those games, but yeah, they, they, they need a lot better. You know, if they're really going to you know, match with these elite teams that are pretty set almost everywhere, except the Chiefs somehow, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, yeah. but but that's that's the big step, and obviously maybe getting you know shoring up the offensive line will help whichever running back they go and get. But as sure. we you know as we kind of teased a couple weeks ago, and we'll talk about it in great depth in the future. Pretty good running back class, whether they want to go young, mm-hmm. whether they want to go veteran, whether they want to go in the draft, they're going to have their options open. But just a resounding success. In, in year one for D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud, like, them winning that game against, them winning that game in week 18 last year, it probably just, like, saved the franchise somehow. Uh, because they, yeah. they were going to take Bryce Young. They were going to take Bryce Young if they had the first pick. And, you know, maybe maybe he would have been better in this environment, but I, he wouldn't have been as good as C.J. Stroud was. So, somehow, what everyone thought was a disaster turned out to be a uh, not a great move but just a you know a great series of events will anderson really played well at the end of the year so that you know hopefully that trade-up will be worthwhile but the future is so bright and you know there's another team that got bounced this week that the future is incredibly bright too but if you're a texans fan i don't know if they exist apologies in advance (laughs) but um but yeah like you know far exceeded expectations yeah, and Will Anderson too. You mentioned how he came on second half of the year. Like I remember doing and talking about like midseason awards, and and he wasn't particularly like a favorite for a defensive rookie of the year. And yeah. now it seems like he's kind of snatched that award up, or at least going to be in heavy contention for it. You know, we were talking about Devon Witherspoon and uh, another player that I can't Jail seem Carter. to recall. Yes, thank you. Jalen Carter was one of the certainly one of the favorites for that at the midseason point, and now you know Will Anderson injects himself into that conversation. Um, and yeah, you, with the draft pick thing, uh, it's sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. Did you see the thing about CJ Stroud and the S two test and what came out about it recently? Yeah, the well, the, the test the, creators the, were like mad because they were like this test was initially flagged as one that would be unreliable, and so now you know it's gotten so much bad press that it's being pointed to as like the S two test is stupid. Basically, what they said was they will flag a certain number of tests every year as being unreliable because they observed that the player taking the test was either distracted or tired or whatever, whatever it may be, not able to give his all to the test, and Stroud was one that was flagged we don't find that out until a year later after Stroud lights up the league and you know that test kind of soured some public perception of him as like oh he's not going to be able to do the mental aspect of the game uh as well as some other quarterbacks might he's not going to you know be like that and uh turns out it could not have been more wrong and CJ you know as I believe he said himself in in other words was uh you know I'm I'm not a test taker I'm I'm a football player like you know shout out shout out shout out Cardale Jones I ain't come here to play school Uh, no, you know it, it, it's true. As much of an analytics guy as I am, more so in other sports, I'm more more of a geek. But you know, sometimes it's the eye test. You know, sometimes you you don't need to trust this wonder lick or this S two test, whatever you're having. Yeah. You know, you should just 
you know, you got scouts for a reason. I guess some of these guys are fucking dinosaurs. But if you like what you see, you know, don't read too much into it. Because like you said, it's true. Not everyone, not everyone's that kind of person. Not everyone's a test-taking kind of person. Yeah, and it's definitely something to keep in mind here as we enter the next draft cycle. But yes, what's next for the Texans? Uh, I, ju- I just believe, you know, again, sure up the O-line, grab yourself a running back. And Pat, you mentioned good running back class. Uh, specifically for the NFL draft, it's actually a little below average of a class. But free agent-wise, there are some very good running backs out there. And, you know, in the mid-rounds of the draft, you could get yourself a Blake Corum and hope that he projects out to the NFL better than, you know, scouts believe he can because, I mean, the man was a dog in college. Just one of those guys that doesn't project well, I guess, size-wise to the NFL, but wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being a pretty solid player. But, yes, plenty of options there for the Texans. And then just, you know, upgrading on defense, just a constant thing they they need to keep in mind to get some players that can stick with a Lamar Jackson in a playoff game like this. Not that anybody can really stick with a Lamar Jackson, but better than the guys they have, um, you know, have, have a stronger group of guys. And with C.J. Stroud playing playing this well and being on now a rookie deal for the next few years now's the time to uh spend up and and draft and you know get those guys to surround him uh while while you can afford to do so uh the ravens though again just super super strong and we'll talk about them a little bit more when we get to the ravens chiefs preview but i still think firmly on track to uh make a super bowl appearance here in the next couple of weeks but pat a team that is very much uh you know had a very similar story to the packers or to the to the texans this year spoiler alert spoiler alert as i was going to say it in the next five seconds anyway very similar stories the texans and the packers this year uh super young teams nobody really believed in them quarterbacks that were completely you know I guess unproven. Again, Love's been in the league for a while, so at least got to absorb some things from Rodgers. You know, some good, some bad, as we saw at the end of the uh, game. I guess that was a little more Brett Favre from him toward the end of that Packers-Niners game. Oh, but God, still, I hope not all the parts of Brett Favre. I, oh, you know, we'll talk about maybe, funny maybe thing is, who knows what stuff. I'm talking about right now? <laughs> I There's, there's yeah, there's a lot there of things that could be. There's many, many things. Um, but, you know, Love putting together a really nice, you know, end of the, end of the season there. But in this game in particular, um, Love kind of, you know, it blew it a little bit there at the end of the game. But here, here's my takeaway from this game overall. 49ers versus Packers. Look, the Ravens woke up in the second half of that game. The Ravens looked like the Super Bowl contender that we know and believe them to be. The Niners survived this game. There was no real waking up, take control of this game moment for them. This game came down to the last drive to Jordan Love making a bad mistake for the one seed San Francisco 49ers to not get bounced in unceremonious fashion. And that would have been a really bad look. And Pat, I think part of what exposed them was Brock Purdy had another bad game. And I know the weather was bad. And, you know, that certainly could play a part in him having uncharacteristic accuracy issues, but that's not really an excuse. I mean, weather's Good bad Good quarterback a lot. should be able to power through. I mean, obviously there's right. exceptions, you know, sometimes the weather's sure. that bad, but you, you've got to be able to. It wasn't that bad. That it, it exactly. There, there could have been so much worse. And you've got to power through that. And, and to kind of build on that, I think my biggest takeaway similarly is that, like, both quarterbacks made a lot of mistakes, but the only real difference was Jordan loves mistakes landed in the 49ers' hands, and Brock Purdy's landed in the grass. And I think that is ultimately what the difference was in this game, was that, you know, obviously one you know one of Love's got tipped and, and picked that probably wouldn't have been picked otherwise. It was just the 49ers were getting the right bounces, and I guess credit to their defense and discredit the Packers' defense there for not making those plays. But there were so many times on both teams where I would they, they throw a pass and I would just kind of like, you know, hide for cover, like, you know, just yeah. like, just a lot of you know scary decisions, scary decisions, and but but yeah, another um, the the Brock Purdy fraud allegations um, were not well escaped 
on no. uh, on on what Saturday? Yeah, on on Saturday. But you know, there's all there's always time to bounce back. But like you said, what a what a could you imagine the 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 fraud allegations had they got bounced by the seven seed as the one seed oh, at home after looking as dominant as they have. Yeah, ju- just a couple weeks after. Actually, I guess the same week as I think uh, it was revealed the Niners wanted Tom Brady for this season, and just Tom said no, basically. And Bro- Brock actually responded to it and said, I understand, he's Tom Brady, uh, I don't blame him. But, you know, it just kind of puts in perspective um, what kind of quarterback Brock Purdy is. And he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but it's the same kind of oh, conversation, sure. same kind of conversation we've had about Tua. Like, he's just good. And when you go to the playoffs and you have quarterbacks that are just good, you run the risk of the bad version of them showing up. Because at the end of the day, the difference between good and bad quarterbacks is just how consistently you make good plays. Any quarterback in the NFL, Tyler Huntley, Nathan Peterman, pick anyone. Any one of those quarterbacks could make a throw in a given game that makes you say, oh my God, that guy looked amazing on that throw. But the problem is, most of the time, they don't do that shit. So consistency is what it comes down to, and we just are starting to see that consistency isn't always there for Brock Purdy, even in an offense as elite as the 49ers is with the supporting cast they put around him. I saw all the jokes about uh, Brock Purdy when Debo Samuel's not in the game. He just turns into Mac Jones. I was like, all right, that's oh, a little no. rude. I, I am curious what Mac Jones would have looked like in a, in a 49ers offense, you know, for all these years, see what, what that timeline looks like. But I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, but again, like Brock Purdy is the worst quarterback left in the playoffs and was in contention for that last week. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't go that far last week to say he's worse than you know Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield or, or yeah. whoever. But um, it's not like he's not some elite quarterback, and they need to get solid play out of him. They need to get at least like Jimmy G play out of it. That that's that was the whole selling point on him, right? He's oh, Jimmy boy. G plus, and if they're getting like the bad version of Jimmy G out of Brock Purdy, then it was all for nothing. So I, I think uh, we're going to need to see some better play from Brock Purdy, and I do think we will see some better play from Brock Purdy going forward. But it's just a, it's a sobering reminder of kind of the floor you can be looking at with this 49ers team. Well, it, it, you, you even look to the past where it's like how many of these good, not great quarterbacks have actually won the Super Bowl? What, Joe right. Flacco? You're going Nick way Foles. back to Nick like, Foles. You go way back to Trent Dilfer. I mean, Eli Manning, you could argue. You know, I think Eli Manning sure. might be a little, uh, like a little out of that, but like. And honestly, I think Brock Purdy is going to be the reason why they don't win the Super Bowl, whether they lose this week or whether they lose in the Super Bowl. I think when it comes down to it, especially in the, in the Super Bowl, should they get there, going against a guy like Lamar, the MVP, or going against you know Mahomes, who you know we'll talk about the Chiefs, but they have been there, like they yeah. they have been in this situation before, and he can't afford to make those kind you know these kinds of mistakes. You know, we'll see if they can get it done against Detroit at home, but. I don't see it boding well for them in the long run. No, and it's it's going to be very interesting because I think Brock Purdy kind of endeared himself to you know 49ers fans and to the league in general for being uh, you know the quarterback that this Niners offense is looking for and the like when he's at his best that is he's the ideal fit for this 49ers team. Um, but if they were to get bounced because of poor play from Purdy. 
quite the whatever series of p words I just put together there. Uh, it, like, what are, what are the Niners going to do? Like, what is their what is their next move? Are they going to make a change at quarterback? You know, maybe not this offseason, but next off. Just a lot of questions that bring it up. If he wins a Super Bowl, all this talk goes out the window. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's very valid questions right now. Um, another highlight of this game, Pat, or low light, was just the rookie kickers. Man, they're. <sighs> I don't know what it is with kickers right now, but these Anders Carlson and Jake Moody both missed field goals in this game. Anders Carlson missing a particular backbreaker. Um, it just it's just a tough look, man. Like don't. It's easy to say don't take a rookie kicker into the playoffs, but it's like so many of the kickers on the street aren't necessarily better. I I'm just at the point where it's like don't don't throw all your eggs into a rookie kicker basket like they draft Anders Carlson in the sixth round that he's probably heading into the year as their kicker right they kind of made that commitment at that point you spend a draft pick on a kicker you're not really looking to get rid of him that offseason I, I like before the season starts I think having any sort of kicker competition you know if you if you don't have a Justin Tucker or who are the best kickers in the league I I Jake Elliott or Brandon whoever Aubrey. some <laughs> <who> <laughs> came on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but some some of these top guys, like if you don't know that you have one of those top guys, I feel like you almost need to have a kicking competition in camp and see who your best guy is and be honest with yourself. If it's not the guy you drafted or if it's not the guy you signed right after the draft as an, as an undrafted free agent, like that's okay. Sometimes these kickers, like finding a good kicker at times, Pat, is just as hard as finding a good quarterback. Like obviously the two positions carry much different levels of importance, but the kickers are still important. So you need to do your due diligence and find uh, find a guy who's not going to completely sell the bag. And Anders Carlson was trending this way, which is why I say this. It, this wasn't just yeah. a one-off. This wasn't like eh, some other guys, you know. I was going to say, I, I, I'm not ready to throw Jake Moody in that same because Jake Moody was pretty good no, this No, me neither. Year. I yeah. remember he had one ter- terrible game. I, I owned Jake Moody at the start of the year in fantasy. He had one game. I think the game they lost to Cleveland where he was just awful. He missed like three kicks that game. But Carlson just like, and obviously there's that tweet circulating about um, all of you know his, his track record at Auburn. And now here mm-hmm. it's like, what is he doing here? <laughs> like, what is he doing here realistically? I mean, it's his last name. Obviously, our boy Daniel mm-hmm. Clears. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's just bizarre because it is that important. You know, we've seen Super Bowls come down to field goals. We've seen so many of these important games come down to field goals and like that, that could be the difference. I mean, you've seen how two of the bills, most crushing defeats have come at the hands of a kicker. Yeah. And you've, you, you, you've got to have, you've got to have that together. Yeah, it's just it's just a tough look when your season ends up coming down to that, uh, especially when you have a chance to knock off a team like the one seed 49ers. But Pat, this season for the Packers, again, just like the Texans, very far ahead of schedule, despite having a quarterback who is several years into his contract. Uh, So what's next for the Packers? Well, this is one area where it will differ from the Texans is they're going to have to extend Jordan Love. That's a decision that has to be made now. Um, It was Look, I, I, I'm sure we talked about this before the season. It feels like we did, where it, it was always going to be a dangerous proposition with Jordan Love sitting him for this long because you only give yourself one year to make this evaluation where then you have to decide, are you committing to him long term or are you going to go a different way? Jordan Love has somehow put together a season where he convinced, I think, the Packers and their fan base and the NFL in general that he is a guy. 
And so I'm sure he's going to get this extension. It's going to be a matter of how much money it is. Um, it, I know Schefter reported it's going to be among the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, which that's just, again, by nature of most recent paid is highest paid. He won't be literally the highest paid. I imagine he'll be somewhere in the 40s per year um, oh, just because that, that's where the contracts are going. I mean, that's what DJ got. That's what, what Derek Carr got, $40 million a year, didn't he? Um, and so these Ooh. these contracts, yeah, I know. Even though like those some of those contracts in hindsight look like mistakes well all agents are going to say is hey jordan loves better than daniel jones and Derek carr they both got 40 million give us 45 and we're good um so i imagine that's kind of the number we're heading toward and i think it's probably the right move again look there's still so much risk with just how they handled it up to this point because you only have a year of sample size if there's any kind of regression and you have to commit 45 mil a year uh, 45 mil a year to a guy that has not shown much beyond two months of really good quarterback play. Um, that is scary. So I'll be very curious to see how long this deal is for, to be honest. Um, but they're going to extend Jordan Love. It's the right move. It's the necessary move with how he played at the end of this year. Because if they don't go with him, they've got absolutely nothing at the quarterback position. And the nice thing for them is even though they may have waited a little too long to get a look at Jordan Love, they have the players around him that will allow for this contract to happen. Because Every skill player around Jordan Love, except for Aaron Jones, is going to be paid not a lot of money because their entire rookie receive their entire receiving room is rookies for the most part, other than uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, who are second year players, um, and then the tight ends are rookies. So everybody's rookies. They will be able to afford paying Jordan Love this contract while still having you know the current weapons and being able to afford other weapons to put around him. Um, but yeah, step one will be extending Jordan Love, and then outside of that, focus on the secondary. And get yourself a kicker. Like the secondary is <laughs> going to be the big one, and that, that, that's those are the two priorities I think for them heading into the offseason. Yeah, and I mean I, I pretty much agree with everything about, that you've said about love here. But they they went in like you said, like they they really kind of pigeonholed themselves here into making this decision. But they knew damn they knew that full well. They could have tossed Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years, but they liked this guy enough and believed in this guy enough that they knew that he would be solid enough for them to have, be able to make this decision at this point. And I, I think the big, you know, you compare them to the Texans, the biggest difference is that, like, Packers looked like shit for half the year. Like they, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, they they, that's they true. looked really bad. And to go on just a scorching run at the end of the season to get here and to win a playoff game on the road is incredibly impressive. You know, I, I don't think Matt LaFleur get, gets quite talked enough about as one of the better coaches in the league as much as he should, but... With love to the future is just so bright there. You look at, I mean, Romeo Dobbs came on really strong at the end of the year, and yeah. you've got, and Dontavian Wicks looked really good at the end of the year as well. And you know, Jaden Reed's a great weapon, and you you know, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft. We haven't even mentioned Christian Watson, who was barely a factor. I'm a big Christian Watson fan, and mm. I, it's clear that this guy is a potentially elite end zone, red zone kind of weapon, and. You know, hopefully they're able to get him for a full year next year. You've got Aaron Jones for one more year. Also, Matthew Barry, free Aaron Jones. Like, Matthew Barry's right. the team. Free right Aaron along. Jones. Get A.J. Dillon so far out of here. <laughs> like, <clears throat> send him back to New London, Connecticut. Like, this, like, <laughs> like he should not be, they should not re-sign him for any amount of money. No. Like, you should be no. giving Aaron Jones, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll even say it, a borderline bell cow workload. And I think that's what people kind of thought was going to happen this year, was that Aaron Jones is really going to be at the top. I was a believer as well. And, man, he's looked so he's looked so good these last few weeks. And it's been without A.J. Dillon because, you know, 
Matt LaFleur doesn't have there to stick him in for no reason, but yeah. offensively improve the most. But even up there in the front seven, they've got a lot of promising young players that we saw. And um, But, uh, again, just a, a, hu- a huge turnaround. And for them to almost knock down the... The, the 49ers, again, this wasn't a case like the Texans, the lights were too bright. Oh, the lights were, you know, the lights were fine. Were fine. You know, they they, yeah. they hung in there fine, more so than hung in there fine. Like, they were probably the better team for most of that game, I would say. Like, the most of that game I'm watching, it's sitting there, oh, the Packers are going to win this one. But, you know, a really, a really good job all around. But um, at, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, some of these some of these passes just didn't fall the right way. Yeah, I saw a tweet that encompassed it pretty well. It said, if you were an unbiased observer watching this game, you would think that the Packers were the better team that were just unable to capitalize on their opportunities and the underdog 49ers were able to just stick around long enough to to steal one. And I was like, you know, that's pretty accurate. Um, In fairness to the Packers regarding Aaron Jones, you know, he he has struggled to stay healthy this year included. Uh, Bell cow workload ideally yes absolutely and hopefully they get a better compliment to him than aj Dillon. but i think that is that is part of why they've had to shoehorn in some other backs be it aj Dillon or emmanuel wilson but just yes luckily the guy out of nowhere I, against I know. I know lucky luckily for the packers um they got aaron jones seemingly fully healthy at the right time here for yeah. this stretch at the end of the year to try and make this push and he did he looked amazing christian watson also you bring up a good point um he is reportedly going to look into pretty heavily this offseason and what is causing these hamstring injuries because he's not sure either. He's like, I I know, you know, I don't think it's my fault, but it's my body, so I need to take responsibility is roughly what he said. Um, And totally fair. I mean, these have been super recurring for him. And, uh, yes, this Packers offense with a fully healthy Christian Watson – would be uh, very exciting because we saw so many of these receivers, Pat, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed popping off at the end of the year, and the idea that those two would be the number three and number four receivers on this team uh, is crazy because that is maybe some of the maybe the best receiver depth we've we have across the league. Like obviously, there's better ones and twos, the, the Chase Higgins and the Evans Godwins of the world, but like a, a better one through four in the league cumulatively, there there may not be if those guys are all good to go next year um so definitely excited to see what the packers do from this point forward pat moving over to the sunday games we've got the lions versus the bucks the detroit lions are one game away from a super bowl how about that let's play Uh, that podcast clip to the folks 15 years in the past watching dan orlovsky run out of the back of the end zone how do you think they're gonna react yeah i am just so unbelievably happy for those people who have suffered i mean like detroit has been a laughing stock has been a laughing stock for as basically as long as you and i have been alive and we're ancient compared to probably most of the people listening right now but I remember but, CD players. Go on. Yeah, fuck, dude. I don't quite remember Walkmans, thank God. But um, no, me neither. But, but um, but but again, a really fun. Uh, someone I heard someone talking at work today saying like the only people not rooting for the Lions are 49ers fans because like mm-hmm. how, how do you not root for and I may be division rivals as well, but you know, like how do you sure. not root for 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 this team right now? Even, even division rivals, you've seen their suffering up close. Like I would almost root for it at this point, but I'm not them, so who knows? Yeah, and and again, I think the big thing that is going to differentiate how they did this week to next week is they were at home, and they're yeah. just they're, they're just a really good team at home. And <clears throat> the biggest we've talked a lot about Dan Campbell 
everyone's talked a lot about Dan Campbell, like especially that decision in the Cowboys game to go for two from the eight yard line. That play on fourth down with Craig Reynolds was brilliant. Oh was God, absolutely yeah. brilliant that was something. to <clears throat> to put in your your third string smaller running back. Of course, they're not expecting a run up the gut. Yeah, and like the stones to do that, the stones to do that, and it worked. Like I remember just being like gobsmacked after that. I'm like, I'm like, like it, it didn't even take. Like immediately, I'm just like, I'm like that was brilliant. I'm like that was brilliant, and. Hey Arthur yeah. Smith, that's what a good okie doke looks like. That you don't do it every play. If you save it for moments, yes, putting in deceptive personnel can absolutely work. But that's but because what about it's, it's an okie doke with Janu Smith? <laughs> no more Michael Pruitt or Janu Smith talk on this podcast. I will not allow it. Not until next year. Uh, but but yeah, that was a, a hell of a call by Dan Campbell and the Lions. They've got themselves in the NFC Championship game. But Pat, we talked about the the elephant or the oversized lion in the room which is that these two playoff games have been at home for Detroit they are now going to go play at San Francisco and it's been talked about but it can't really be emphasized enough how different Jared Goff specifically plays at home versus away so these are his splits in eight games at home this year 19 touchdowns six interceptions 105.3 passer rating and then in the two playoff home games he has three touchdowns zero interceptions 111.8 passer rating in his away games the nine games on the road this regular season 11 touchdowns six interceptions 89.4 passer rating so we're talking about eight fewer touchdowns in one more game played and a much much lower passer rating it's just something about it man i mean i know it's a dome so i'm sure that's part of it um they're not going to be in a dome in san francisco Goff is very comfortable at home and so he's going to need to be comfortable on the road here against san francisco and we'll talk about that in a couple and, minutes when we get to the preview of that game yeah. but it's definitely a concern <laughs> here thinking about it early yeah, and I guess, spoiler, I ultimately think that's what's going to do them in next week is the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, they are on the road. Had they been at Ford Field again, I think they, they take it all the way to the Super Bowl. But, but you know, but but regardless, just a, um, you know, they were the better team from the jump again. You know, t- yeah. Tampa Tampa made it interesting. Tampa made it interesting. God, I thought the under was going to hit that whole game. We're like, oh, under, <laughs> no problem. And then, like, I don't know, like the fourth quarter, the first, like, five minutes of the fourth quarter, they're going crazy. It's, <clears throat> but... Yeah, uh, just just a just a, a fun team all around, and like um, a, a, a fun team all around, and you know a, a lot of people don't like Dan Campbell for his fake aura or whatever they call it, but I, I like it. I love it. It's it, that that argument, and I've seen I've seen people say that is so odd to me. It's like. Why do you think just because someone has a big personality that it has to be fake? Like, just because that's not what you're used to or that's not how you are doesn't mean there aren't people out there that are genuinely like that. Like, I've I've never gotten the fake vibe from Dan Campbell before. It's just, it's people that don't like him that think he's cringe or whatever, and they're just like, oh, he, he can't possibly be like that for, like... I think he is like I think that's just I think that's just who the guy is I don't understand why that's so hard to believe but yes Lions are now roaring their way biting kneecaps all the way to the NFC title game but let's take it to the Tampa Bay side what is next for the Buccaneers well we talked about extending Jordan Love for the Packers we talked about this last week Pat uh should the Bucks extend Baker Mayfield we both think yes and that is probably the next move for this franchise uh Baker Mayfield modestly though than what Jordan Love is looking at because I mean certainly you're looking at Baker Mayfield is still kind of a 
acclimation pro- process. And um, there's a still a reasonable chance that Dave Canales gets that job in Carolina, which mm-hmm. could really potentially throw things off. So I'm not trying to throw the book at Baker Mayfield. I'm not trying to have a huge commitment with him, but I think he's played well enough to you know, to, to earn that. And I don't even think he's going to make it to free agency. I, I do think they're going to, they're going to take care of this b- before it even gets to that point, just for continuity sake. But, but it, it all starts there. You know, I think we overlooked the fact that this was still a very mediocre football team mm-hmm. throughout most of the year. I mean, granted we're talking year one without Tom Brady. Like that is, um, you know, that that's no easy, t- you know, that's far from an easy task. And, um, to, to barely squeak out as bad of a division as it was is just not a great look. Mm. But um, but yeah, it it starts at Baker. I mean, and you you build from there. And then Mike Evans is just is just another huge piece. You know, I, I can't envision him anywhere else. I can't see him uh, going anywhere else. But y- you never know. And I mean, like you said, he you know they they we wrote him off and he didn't he didn't write back or whatever whatever the hell that Geno Smith said but everyone wrote Mike Evans off and he was a huge part of this offense and I think that offense would take a huge hit if Mike Evans were to, were to depart. Yeah, it, it absolutely would. And uh, you know Baker Mayfield, the extension with him will be interesting. I know you say you don't think it'll even get to free agency, but it's like. It depends how they look at it. If they look at it like, uh, you know, he's only producing this well and only bounce back because of the Dave Canales effect. And if Canales were to leave, you know, there are, there are teams out there that are quarterback desperate that will throw a Daniel Jones-esque contract at Baker Mayfield. I would bet they are out the there. Las Vegas Raiders. I, I mean, they might. So, look, we'll have to see if the Bucks end up actually being the highest bidder for Baker. I do think it'll be a priority for them to bring him back because they – Look, they didn't really miss a beat statistically with Tom Brady gone and Baker Mayfield subbing in. It was pretty much, it was very similar. Baker, in some ways, had better numbers than Brady. Now, losing Brady is, you can't quantify it. It goes far beyond stats, losing a guy like that from your locker room. But, you know, the fact that they didn't have a drop-off statistically, I'm sure, is something that they value. Um, But, yes, I think they will ultimately bring Baker back. What that figure ends up being will certainly be one to watch. Uh, I think it could be a little higher than we expect, but who knows. Um, As far as some other moves, to make for Tampa Bay. You got to focus on the defense. Um, the the fall off for a guy like Devin White has been very strange to watch. Um, didn't play much, if at all, in their in their past game, and uh, you know just a far cry from the player he was when he was arguably deserving of Super Bowl MVP a couple of years ago. So they're going to have some pieces that they have to put together on defense, and I think also a compliment to Rashad White is a necessity. I think lost in the glory of Rashad White as a as a fantasy asset this year, a guy who absolutely came on and led some fantasy teams to titles, I'm sure, after, you know, speculation in the offseason and the preseason and the first couple games from largely me as well, uh, <laughs> that other running backs could take over or you know, chip into Tucker that workload. Sean Tucker might be working at a White Castle right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Rashad White lost in all of that is that a lot of what Rashad White did this year was volume driven and uh-huh. like what he ended up with you know you step back you use a little bit of a wider lens not overly impressive statistically like look the guy played all 17 games finished with a whopping 990 rushing yards 3.6 yards per carry like if for a running back look 990 yards is not a small amount but for a running back that I think is widely perceived 
as good now, pretty good, and uh, you know, if not well above average, for him to not even be a thousand yard rusher playing in all 17 games is a little crazy. And 3.6 yards per carry is downright mediocre. So yeah, he's, he's a he's a good player, but I think they definitely need to bring somebody in to take maybe some of that early down work, and he can be you know also taking some early down work, but largely capitalizing on what he does best, which is as a receiver. Yeah, he is two for two now on being an inefficient runner. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make him an ineffective an, an runner. He's still an mm-hmm. effective runner. But, yeah, he he really had no competition for touches. You know, the talk at the beginning of the year was Sean Tucker. But, like, they had to spell him with Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Like, that is yeah. that is bad. Like, you do not want Chase Edmonds touching a football field uh, in in the year 2024. So, even, like, an A.J. Dillon type, I think that would would work really well in, in Tampa. But, but you're, you're absolutely right there that... Rashad White's fine, but uh, you can definitely not just. But don't replace him completely. I agree with you mm-hmm. that I think a compliment is is definitely yeah. the way to go. Yeah, Rashad White's a good player. Uh, firmly passes the eye test, but I think because he passed the eye test so much with flying colors, it has forced people to overlook the fact that look, he has a lot of runs that don't actually go anywhere. And, you know, some of the efficiency metrics, most of the efficiency metrics are just not on his side. He's a good player. He's not going anywhere. But I think this was probably the last season that we will see Rashad White as RB1 fantasy type of guy. He could still return RB2 value, certainly flex value, um, you know, to shift it just to the fantasy perspective with him. But, uh, yeah, I would be shocked just for real-life football purposes if the Bucks don't bring in a competent running back to take some touches from him because they are not going to be relying on Chase Edmonds and Keyshawn Vaughn and, God forbid, Sean Tucker, my boy. Maybe Sean Tucker will just simply elevate and be a god next year, and this will all solve itself. But that is uh, Lions versus Bucks, Pat. Final game to discuss here, the most recent bills versus chiefs now i want to start this off by saying the goddamn comparisons for mahomes and josh allen to the peyton manning tom brady rivalry drove me nuts from the jump they had for those of you that didn't catch the whole game or didn't catch the very beginning pregame they had whole video package like you know storyline graphic all this stuff like acting like this was the next Brady versus Manning rivalry. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were clearly the two best quarterbacks in the AFC for the duration of their time in the AFC. Possibly the NFL. In the possibly the NFL, sure. The only other arguments you had during their time was was Aaron Rodgers and Drew, Drew Brees. Brees. Those were the only yep. two guys penetrating that argument. The, Josh Allen is arguably not a top four quarterback in the AFC. I think he probably is back end of that, but to make this comparison as if these guys are the next like AFC, you know, powerhouse, it's just, it's so, it's such grasping at straws. It's so reaching. I could not stand the comparison. I think Mahomes versus Burrow is much closer to Brady versus Manning in terms of play style and just, I, I, you know, competence as a quarterback. Josh Allen's not a bad player by any stretch, but I think acting like Josh Allen is the clear number two quarterback in the AFC, much like Peyton Manning was, it was asinine to me. So that that drove me a little bit nuts um, that they were playing it up like that, especially when there was a better quarterback than Josh Allen awaiting the winner of this game. Like, I don't, I yeah, don't understand. Right. So 
That just that just drove me a little bit crazy, but uh, yeah, jo- Josh yeah. Allen is not Peyton Manning. Like th- that's the thing is no. that like they're they're probably, but I think people just kind of are using it just the fact that these teams have been have been to probably the two best teams in the AFC the last handful sure. of years, and they've met so many times in big games, and the rivalry feels like almost feels like the Patriots Colts, but just lacking the talent that um that those rivalries used to have and maybe we're old and wagging our fists and being like oh <laughs> back in our day we had tom brady and peyton manning and you kids just have this it's like like the i mean patrick mahomes is, is an all-timer but yeah, yeah J- josh I'm allen um him. josh allen just doesn't quite meet that mark and you're right about lamar that's the funny thing i saw someone tweet that they're like can we make this the next um the next um brady and and brady mahomes i almost said Br- brady and manning but <clears throat> And to mention Josh Allen, you know, like, again, times where he looked like a freak, where, like, he looked like freakazoid Josh Allen, where it's like, how is this man human and how is he on a football field? But I was just so puzzled at the end of that game. They needed five yards for a first down, and he chucks it down the field twice to the end zone? Mm-hmm. Check the ball down. Like, don't leave it in the hands of your kicker. Yeah, I was even after the first one. I was just like, "What?" I'm like, "Why?" I mean, I get you score the touchdown, you probably win the game, but like, you can still score the touchdown, and you're not giving Kansas City the ball back. You know, even had, like you said, even had they made that field goal, Kansas City is going to get the ball back and has a damn good chance to go and kick their own field goal of their own to win the game. So, but but just the fact that uh, he probably had some checkdown opportunities there. And the fact that he went for broke was just very, like, that's that's a time where you want to be conservative. And I know that's not Josh Allen's play style necessarily or Joe Brady's, you know, Joe Brady style, but th- that just really puzzled me like that. And everyone's shitting on Tyler Bass, and it's like, yeah, but why was the game in his hands that early from there? Even if anything, they could have a 15-yard closer field goal if they can move down the field a little bit more. i just really, really puzzled by those throws that Josh Allen made. And I mean, you know, granted, like you said, it works. We're praising him. We're being like, wow, look at Josh Allen. But, you know, you lose and it exposes all the flaws. And it's just like, that that just really threw me for a loop. Yeah, it was it was strange, and I, I want to get this on record too. Like I I feel like I'm coming across as a Josh Allen hater, which maybe I am, depending on how you want to define that. But AFC quarterbacks, like it's Mahomes, and then for me, you can interchange Lamar and Burrow, but I think they're both above Allen. And then you can kind of interchange to me, Josh Allen, C.J. Stroud. You want to keep Allen there because oh, he's God. had it for more years. I'm okay that. with that. I'm okay with that. But it's like. I, that's that's where I've got Josh. Josh Allen's a great quarterback. Josh Allen's one of the few genuinely elite quarterbacks in the league. Don't get me wrong, but again, the the comparison just he's not top two right now. In the I, AFC, I think so. his ceiling Stupid. is top two. Sure, I would absolutely. Argue his ceiling. Absolutely. If, if he, you know, he's almost like bigger, more athletic Brett Favre in the sense that, like, yeah. when this guy's making plays, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. But then there are other times where it's just like you want to put your head through the wall because you're just like, well, what is this guy doing? But and I think that's what people, when people kind of build up this rivalry, that's what they're kind of looking at. That's what they're yeah. kind of looking at, what these two quarterbacks can be. But um, kind of lost in this game. Well, not lost in this game, lost in this for us. How about Jason Kelsey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an, I know. Like, Psychopath. Like he's I understand incredible. he's a I understand he's a married man. He deserved Taylor Swift, not Travis. Oh my God. Jason. Oh, Could you imagine Christ. if some fat lineman was the one that was with Taylor Swift? That would be amazing. 
that like fat guy. I mean, I mean, J- Jason Kelsey's wife is, is is a bit of a smoke show herself. So it's like, good, you know, it gives guys like that hope. You know, where I'm just basically uh, condensed uh, Jason Kelsey in terms of body type. So, uh, mm-hmm. but what a hero! <laughs> like, what a, what a hero! Yeah, and also, that, was- that man is that man is so retired. Like it, the, oh, the, the, the bullshit that he's he spewed. Done. There is no way that someone said, "Oh yeah, he told the whole locker room he was retiring," and he just didn't. Give me a break. Yeah. And then they go, why doesn't Adam Schefter just let him announce it himself? Don't be mad at Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter's a squid, don't get me wrong. Oh, I mean, Adam Schefter is a valued colleague and employee of the Walt Disney <laughs> Company. And I admire uh-huh. his work. But yeah, right. as right, much of a right. squid as Adam Schefter can be, like, be mad at the people that told Adam Schefter. Because somebody in that locker room told Adam Schefter. Right. But yeah, that, that, man is, that man is so retired. Uh, th- th- that discourse has been hilarious to me. Like yeah. that man is donezo. No, ab- absolutely done. Uh, okay, now we're done dissecting where Josh Allen lies among quarterbacks and why I am just bitter about it. Um, the real question, Pat, and it's the question I partially posed last week: Are the Chiefs back now? Are you feeling it now, Mister Krabs? And my answer is the same as it was last week, which is mine too. No, this was the yeah, mine's kind of like, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so last week against the Dolphins, my answer was no, because that was a game I expected them to win. Mm-hmm. I said after that, that even if they beat the Bills, my answer would still be no, because this is a game that I would not be shocked in, in the slightest if they won. I will be surprised if they beat the Ravens. Therefore, I will declare the Chiefs back if they beat the Ravens and go to the Super Bowl. And I, yeah, maybe I'm late to the party at that point because then they're in the Super Bowl. Obviously, they're back. But that's what it takes for me to believe that they've overcome a lot of the issues they've had this year. Yeah, and and I, I, I agree. I mean, they didn't play fantastic. And they played better than they did against Miami because they had to. And again, mm-hmm. I think it just comes down to the fact that this is a very experienced team in this yeah. spot. Having the Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid duo is an S-tier quarterback coaching duo all time all time it's going to be you know in the history books and they just have what it takes in in games like this you know Mahomes doesn't make a lot of mistakes Mecole Hardman makes a lot of mistakes like (laughs) fucking god don't get me started on that guy oh my god but the fact that they could persevere through that through some just terrible wide receiver play not only this week but just the whole season the whole season I mean like we said last week Kadarius Tony's foot being two feet further than it should have been cost them the home game. This game yeah, could have very right. easily been in Kansas City, but it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter, and that's the thing is I just think that they're a, a well more put together team than Buffalo. Who and more just because Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a high variance quarterback. It's a high variance team, but I'm not ready to declare the Chiefs back. But I'm, I'm more inclined to this week. But I just think they're really solid and. They just need to be, but I think they need to be better than that to beat Baltimore. I think playing the way they have the last two weeks will keep them competitive and make it a good game. I don't think it gets it done against Baltimore. Playing this Baltimore defense is going to be day and night different compared to the Bills' banged-up defense that they just got to play. And even then... (laughs) It wasn't anything like crazy inspiring from the Chiefs offense. They looked good, don't get me wrong. They looked certainly better than when they were completely struggling with their offensive woes in the middle of the year with g- trying to find any receiver that can catch the ball before Rasheed Rice popped off. Um, 
but yeah, it's going to be a much different case for them this upcoming week. And if they if they beat the Ravens, uh, then I will be like, yes, the, the Chiefs are back. And it, Pat, you make a good point about you know Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like, and this is kind of how I felt from the jump. The Chiefs were always going to be a high floor team like no matter how bad they look throughout the season no matter what their weaknesses are when you have a quarterback that will not lose the game for you and you have a head coach as smart and good at his job as Andy Reid is you and handsome you are never going to I mean like you're never going to miss the playoffs assuming those two are around you're never gonna you know be uncompetitive in the first couple rounds you may run into a first round exit at some point i I am sure it'll happen but you're never going to be uncompetitive like you're always going to be a high floor team and high floor teams this is what they do like we've seen in the past relatively uninspiring tom brady led patriot teams get further than we thought they would and maybe that was because of you know fatigue of seeing them in the playoffs so often so it was like people were just picking other teams to beat them and the Patriots just kept winning and they were like fuck you but the Brady Belichick combo would always get a certain you know distance into the playoffs even when you thought it was you know potentially a down year for them and the Chiefs are now showing they are the same type of breed of team and I think that's why it, yeah the, the fact that they've made the AFC championship and what has certainly been one of if not the worst season under Mahomes to make it there is is impressive. Yeah. And the fact that they've made it to the AFC Championship game in all of Mahomes' seasons as the starter is is insane. Like, that is... <sighs> Fucking crazy. You know, in, in an era where dynasties don't really happen much anymore, like, that's about as, you know, that that's almost, like, is, as impressive as it's going to get, I think, with a modern NFL team in terms of in terms of consistency, in terms of winning. I mean, it's a, it's a budding Patriots-level dynasty is what it is they have two Super Bowls they have a chance for a third and Mahomes is still young like this is very much in play um it it obviously won't be that uh uh long of a of um a dynasty just because of the age like Mahomes is still young but he's old by comparison of you know when Brady kind of started going off but still incredible what what the Chiefs have done here uh but here's the question Pat as we talked about for all these other eliminated teams now what is next for the Bills should Sean McDermott be fired? It's a question worth exploring. I'm curious what you have to say, and then I'll give. I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm I'm, I'm going to say no. I mean, it seemed like there was a point where he was almost outside of like Brandon Staley, the most likely coach to be fired. And you know, people, including myself, said when he fired Ken Dorsey, that like, oh, of course, Ken Dorsey is going to be the fall guy. This is you know McDermott, a last ditch effort to save his job. Well. It worked, you know, like me, you know, maybe it was Ken Dorsey, you know, there's a good, I'd say more likely than not, they're going to hang on to Joe Brady. I don't think Joe Brady is going to get the Falcons job, despite, I believe, being, um, getting a second interview there, but, but I, I think that he, he did enough for them to become, for them to be the two seed and to come this close again to breaking through the Chiefs and getting to that next level. Uh, it has been enough, but I think that man's seat is going to be on fire at the start of next year. Like they need, they cannot have a, even a year like they did this year where they underperformed and then saved their asses. No, they need to be, you know, one of the top teams in the AFC throughout the year and make a deep run in the playoffs for this guy to have any future. But, but I, I say for now, I mean, I say for now, you know, he did it. Hang on to. I've thought about it, and I think if it were me, if I, you know, throw me in the GM chair in Buffalo or in the owner's chair, whatever you want to do, 
I I would let him go at this point. Um, I, I saw a really apt comparison that I thought was was smart. Uh, you know, the Warriors when they when they first started with Steph Curry and and that core started with Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson got them, you know, pretty far. He was able to develop those players and get them into the playoffs, and I, I'm sure win a couple series. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but never got them to win a finals. They had to go another direction to get over the hump, and that was what they did when they hired Steve Kerr. The Bills are looking for their Steve Kerr, and I apologize. I don't have the name of the person who made this uh, analogy, but I think it's perfect. Um, the Bills, Pat, at this point, what more do you do? Like, how many times do you lose to the Chiefs before you make a different kind of change? Like, yeah. I know they had a lot of injuries on the defense, and you could certainly blame that for being part of it. Stephon Diggs has not been himself for a couple of months now for whatever reason. I think he, needs, he needs to it. go. I, I, I think he, he very well go. may. I think you could certainly blame part of it on that. But at the end of the day, you keep getting the same result despite having the the personnel the roster that you believe can get it done and you don't get it done there's really no other place to point the finger except the head coach like he may be a good head coach obviously he's a good head coach he's gotten the bills into the playoffs and winning you know a couple games every or a game every year in the playoffs um but can't get them over the hump like yeah i guess you fire him and you run the risk of getting a coach who's worse but to me, that's better than having a capped ceiling with him. Because at this point, it seems it's like fair. his ceiling is capped. And maybe, Pat, maybe you just give it to Joe Brady. The guy's already interviewing for for head coaching gigs. Um, he's already a relatively new voice in that building. It's not like he's been you know through all of this with the Bills. Um, I think I, I think they should go in another direction. I'm not sure they will. I feel like maybe we would have heard something by now. Sean McDermott's already kind of talking like he's going to be around next year. Um, but I think I would go another direction if for no other reason than how many times can you keep running it back and getting the same the same result? See, here's my thing. We just said like, what would I do? What would you do? But the most importantly here, what would Osama bin Laden do? <laughs> You know what he'd waiting. do, Pat? You know what he'd do, Pat? He would agree with me. He'd blow it up. That's what he would do. He'd blow it up. He'd blow it up. So that's 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 what I what what did I say anything inaccurate or out of pocket for what clips, literally clips what channel, that guy's clips channel? I hope you're here. That's what that guy's known for. Uh, you set me up. All right, I don't know what to tell you. Um, that was that was beautiful. That, that was a thing he, of beauty. But no, I I think you you make perfectly perfectly valid points, and they are going to lose Joe Brady. Whether it's this, like I said, I don't believe it's going to be this year, but certainly next year especially if say you know they go back in there and joe brady has you know another impressive year with you know working with josh allen then he is certain to be a head coach because he was getting interviews for head coach when he was the offensive coordinator at lsu like they wanted him to make the jump from offensive coordinator in college to the pros like a lane kiffin looking ass but Mm -hmm. they're certainly going to lose him so that's a really fair point to make but that's yeah it's true because like sean mcdermott is just like you there, there is a cap. Like they're, they're very, they've been very successful under him, but like they don't have a whole lot to show for it, except a lot of you know people memeing Stefan Diggs standing there watching a confetti ceremony. <laughs> bro, bro's been standing there for four years. He froze. Bro's frozen. Bro, bro hasn't moved. In. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So we've got that out of the way. I think he should be let go. But look, personnel wise, there are some moves they can certainly make. Um, I think the Bills' other priority needs to be get Josh Allen another weapon. Um, like 
we, we talked about with Stefan Diggs not being himself. They need something else there for, you know, if if they hold on to Stefan Diggs and if this kind of happens again where he just has this weird period of not being able to catch the ball and not, you know, going over 100 yards for three months, they need to have somebody else that can contribute. They need to have weapons beyond Gabe Davis being their wide receiver, too. He's a fine yeah, stre- field stretcher kind of guy, but like he didn't play. So, you know, you're down to your your reliable, quote unquote, targets are Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid. And like, that's fine. But you can certainly upgrade that if you're trying to be a truly Super Bowl winning team. I think they need to go out and get Josh Allen, somebody else, whether it's replacing Stefan Diggs or adding to Stefan Diggs. They got to do something. They can't run it back with the same skill group and expect a different result. Um, but Pat, we do also have to give you know some credit to the fact that this loss to the Chiefs was largely about injuries. Uh, the Chiefs were, or the Bills were decimated on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look, they lost Matt Milano early in the year. That's the best player on their defense without question. That's going to hurt. And so next year, if he's healthy, who knows? Maybe this is a different result. And then in this game, they were without linebacker Terrell Bernard, safety Taylor Rapp, uh, cornerback Christian Benford, as we mentioned, Gabe Davis. Um, and then they came into the game with a knowingly injured punter. That also drove me nuts. Like Sam yeah. Martin pulled a hamstring last week, chasing down a punt returner, was questionable all week. The Bills brought in Matt Hawk to to be like their their backup or, you know, contingency. Is he punter. related to Mike? He is not. Then they get to, you know, just before the game, and they're like, no, Sam Martin's good to go. Sam Martin was not good to go. He was walking with a limp after several of his punch, which punts, which he shanked out of bounds multiple times. Like It was to the point that they gave the ball to fucking DeMar Hamlin on a fourth and five (laughs) because they didn't want Sam Martin to boot it down the field. The the memes were amazing. It's just like the one with like the dude's lounging where it's like DeMar Hamlin when they said the fake punt. He just put all the memes (laughs) of the people and Drew's computer just like me. Yeah, me. me, me. Like, I, like that's a, it, it's like bro thought it was a Disney Channel movie. Like, <laughs> like this game, a, a game against the Chiefs that you know is going to come down to inches, which it did. I like it came down to a field goal at the end. A game like that, you know, every advantage is necessary. Why are you taking a risk with a punter? Like, the only thing I could think of, benefit of the doubt, maybe it's just being naive to give them the benefit of the doubt, is like he did truly look okay in practice. And then, you know, during the game or just before the game, it tightened up on him and he was bad. But, like, don't don't take that risk with your punter. But, yeah, it, it was just a cherry on top of a bunch of injuries the Bills had. It's just hard to accept that, you know, maybe they could have come out on top of this one if they were healthier because no team is truly healthy this time of year the bills i think were just a little extra not healthy so you know get some get some depth here hope that matt milano is is healthy for next year you know your your defensive anchor and centerpiece and uh you know hopefully nice knuckle crack hopefully uh run run it back next year with uh maybe a new head coach we'll see um but let's get into our conference championship previews here pat 49ers versus lions so the lions here plenty of obstacles. First of all, Jared Goff is a different quarterback, not just on the road, but under pressure. He is not good under pressure. And the Lions O-line, guess what? Is hurt. Jonah Jackson, torn meniscus, is going to be out for this game. And Frank Ragnow has a sprained knee and a sprained what a ankle now. Fucking baller, Frank I mean, Frank, Ragnow, Frank is. Ragnow is a baller. And the only reason I bring this injury up is not because I think he's going to miss this game. It's a worry of when he inevitably starts this game, like the badass he is, is something going to pop up that forces him to sub out at some point? It or is just not be as effective as he might be. Sure, that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, this guy's a all second team All Pro. Like this guy, this guy yeah. is 
really good. I mean, that that's really helped them establish the run. You know, they're a run first team, and the 49ers have a good front four, so it, it's going to be difficult to do that with the injuries. And like we talked about, it's going to come down to the hands of Jared Goff on the road, yeah. which is just not proven to be nearly as effective as I think you need to be in order to beat a solid team like San Francisco, who you'd think is going to learn from last week and have it a bit more together. But yeah, I, I, I think, like like I said, it's a direct cause and effect here. The run game may not be as effective, and you're going to need to rely on Jared Goff, and unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be enough. As, as much as I would love to see the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl, unfortunately, i, I got to stick with my picks. i got to go chalk, and i got to go with San Francisco. Yeah, I, I am also going with San Francisco. Uh, just to look at this from what the Lions need to do, you know, knowing that they have these injuries, if the Lions are going to have any chance in this game, they're really going to need the defense to step up. I mean, they've been bad versus the pass all year, and like despite being good against the run, that, that's kind of where they excel if they excel at any spot on defense. They're facing Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't matter how good you are against the run. He's going to gash you in some way, shape, or form. I'm not saying he's going to rush for 150 yards, but he's going to get his. So being good against the run, yeah, it's nice when you're bad against the pass, but it, it's kind of negated by you're facing Christian McCaffrey. Um, I, I just think the defense... They need to set the tone and at least not let this game turn into a shootout. They need Aiden Hutchinson and that D-line to get pressure on Brock Purdy, see if they can get you know another dose of this mediocre Brock Purdy that we've seen in a couple games here now down the stretch. And they're also going to need to take advantage of what the 49ers' defensive weakness is, which is their run D. I think they really need to lean on Jameer Gibbs in this one. I think they are going to need to have sort of an explosive run game. Look, David Montgomery is going to be the plotter. He can certainly get some touches as well. He will get touches, obviously. But I think this is kind of the let Jameer Gibbs loose type of game because you're going to need you're going to need your Christian McCaffrey if you're going to hang I with the Niners here. Agree. And your Christian McCaffrey is Jameer Gibbs. He's going to be the guy that's going to be able to keep you in this game. That's how electric and how much of a playmaker he is. So. Again, that's going to come down to the health of the line as well. But the the Lions need to have their defense set the tone because they can't get scripted out of the run game because that's where they're going to be able to take advantage of San Francisco, the one weakness on their defense. So I will be uh, certainly watching if they can get some pressure on Purdy and that offense. Um, and then as it comes to you know Brock and the Niners, like Brock's coming off a bad game. You know, despite the weather, if, if it's going to be nicer, maybe he'll have a better game. But Debo is hurt, and that is notable. Uh, he's got a shoulder injury. He's considered 50-50 to play. And when you're in a playoff situation like this, like it's always a surprise if a guy who's 50-50, quote-unquote, doesn't end up playing. Uh, normally, you see them at least give it a shot. But look, if he's limited, if he ends up coming out of the game, or if he doesn't end up playing, that will leave the Niners a little more vulnerable uh, well, it'll allow the, the Lions to potentially take advantage of that. Uh, but yes, I, I land with you, Pat. I think that Brock Purdy will bounce back despite Debo's health. Um, At least bounce 49ers. back enough. <clears throat> yeah, he'll bounce back enough. I think the Niners are going to be too much for the Lions to handle. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be wrong. I am rooting against oh, myself. Oh, I'm, I'd be more than go happy to be wrong here. Detroit. Like, let's go. I hope we get the best version of Jared Goff. I hope we get you know, an, uh, an upset that we all remember for a long time. Not that the Lions are some Cinderella team. They're a very good football team, but yeah, I just, three seed, yeah. I, it, yeah, it feels like to me, this is a natural and expected end of the road for them and that they can hopefully take the leap to, you know, the next level next year and maybe finish it yeah. off. They're, they're just a Cinderella franchise at this point. Like yes, we're absolutely. About. Like, it's, it's more of that than the season, but yeah, would be more than happy to be wrong. See, hedging our bets. Perfect. Well, ah, exactly. We are smart people. 
we're either happy or correct. That's how you that's how you leave it. Um, and then moving over to the other side, Pat, Ravens versus Chiefs. Look, this is a, a night and day difference from 49ers versus Lions because while that game has two quarterbacks who are up and down and kind of, you know, tier three-ish quarterbacks, I would say, with with Purdy and Goff, you've got elite versus elite here with Kansas City and Baltimore. You've got Mahomes versus Lamar. It is absolute box office. Um, I'm excited for this one. And uh, Pat, a a big kind of dark horse here, wild card, Mark Andrews. Could he end up Uh being back for this one? It would be a very different looking Ravens offense if he is. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, we we've seen similarly to like we we talked about teams like the Packers, where Lamar sort of had to find different guys on a weekly basis. I mean, granted, uh, didn't have to do a lot last week, but you've got Zay Flowers, you've got Rashad Bateman, Isaiah Likely has looked really good. Oh, the corpse of Odell, the corpse of Nelson Aguilar, injecting Mark Andrews into that with the running game they have could be a huge game changer. But I, at the end of the day, Andrews or not. I, I think the Ravens are going to take care of business here. Just because, well. like I said a few minutes ago, that the Chiefs have been good. They need to be great to win yeah. this game. And I just don't foresee them making that jump. Yeah, I, I agree. It, look, the Ravens are also a team that their quarterback is not going to lose them the game. Like, he, yep. Lamar has ascended now he's got good players around him like you're looking at almost a a wash of quarterbacks you know head to head as far as uh, their impacts on the the game respectively and then if you're getting into supporting cast Ravens have the Chiefs beat virtually everywhere Um, you know you could argue the Chiefs have a better running back sure Isaiah Pacheco better than uh, you know the Gus Edwards Justice Hill combo but outside of that like and the Chiefs will have a better tight end unless Mark Andrews plays, and then that's almost a wash as well. You assume it's not going to be a fully healthy Mark Andrews, but the Ravens are just such a top-to-bottom great team. And like I said before, I think it's going to be a, a shock to the system, the Chiefs playing this Ravens defense after what they've gone through the first two weeks mm-hmm. against a battered Dolphins defense, a battered Bills defense. You are running into a buzzsaw Ravens defense. So I, I will be curious to see what the final score of this one ends up being because I don't think a Patrick Mahomes-led team can really get blown out I don't think that's a possibility especially when they have a a solid defense like they have but I it it shouldn't be particularly close maybe it'll be one where it's like the score is close but it doesn't feel like it was ever really in danger that that could be the the script we head for here um but yeah I think I certainly think the Ravens will win this one and then a couple of injury notes here for the Chiefs uh you know just making uh, 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 an unfavorable matchup, even worse. Mike Edwards, safety, dealing with a concussion. Willie Gay, neck injury. Now, this is a key one because they were relying on him to stop Josh Allen when he was running all around the field. Well, they're going to need him to play if they're going to have any chance of containing oh, yeah. Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. running the ball up and down the field all fucking day. Joe Tooney, offensive lineman, strained pectoral. That one will be one to watch as well. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs dealing with several injuries here, all, you know. putting players significantly in question to actually suit up this Sunday. Uh, Neck injuries and concussions are certainly not ones to mess with, so we will have to watch those as it pertains to Willie Gay and And Mike Edwards. And it's it's funny because we're both predicting the boring outcome here of the two Mm -hmm. one seeds that everyone expected, and it kind of fits these playoffs because they've been kind of boring. 
Like a little like bit. Talked about little it. bit. I mean, the the, Chief, the the Chiefs Bills game was great, and the the Packers Forty ers game was great. But it was it was fitting that like they I showed a, they showed a graphic where there were I believe four or five second half lead changes in that game. Up to that point, there had been zero total. Yeah. yeah. In all these games, just like it has been, just such a mid mid playoffs here and you know hopefully they could pick up the steam we could get two really good championship games but yeah it would just really be the epitome of what we've been watching to see the the two best teams by a lot get to where we expected them to get yeah i mean it's it's kind of what i thought you know there was a lot of parody throughout the year like all these great teams even had some really bad stretches but ultimately the first couple of rounds of the playoffs have Maybe chaotic results in terms of who ended up winning. Like, you know, there there weren't a lot of lead changes in uh, Packers-Cowboys, but that was still a shocking result. There weren't a lot of lead changes in Texans-Browns, but that was still a, a somewhat surprising result to see the Texans dominate in the way they did. But yes, from a purely how competitive were these games standpoint, um, yeah, there haven't been a lot of, like, edge of your seat what's going to happen sort of sort of game so far in the playoffs but hopefully these uh these title games will remedy that and uh you know we'll see what our super bowl matchup is as we sit here next week but that will do it for our playoff preview and uh our our reaction to this past week of games jump into the coaching uh carousel once again pat the biggest headline here pertains to you your team did the right thing the raiders hiring antonio pierce as their actual not interim head coach how are we feeling i i'm relieved I, i'm relieved because like i mentioned last week there was just this eerie feeling that mark davis was gonna mark davis and do something stupid and like the only real the only two guys that like really the only guy but mike Vrabel was the only guy even bill belichick if they hired bill belichick i wouldn't have loved that like mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel was the only guy I would have been really happy with compared to Pierce, but <clears throat> Pierce has the locker room. Their defense was fantastic under him, and I'm a bit shaky about the Tom Telesco hire for GM. They hired Tom Telesco, yep. which was apparently a surprise. It was down to Ed Dodds and Champ Kelly, but at the end of the day, those would have been two first-time GMs, and they wanted someone with experience, and I understand that. I understand that, but the key here for the Raiders is going to be getting a good quarterback and getting a good offensive coordinator. They they are they're interviewing Alex Van Pelt, who for some reason got fired by the Browns. Weird, yeah, That's a weird firing. So. Discount Mike McCarthy looking guy, but <laughs> but I would be very happy if Alex Van Pelt. But th- that's going to be the true uh, indication of how much the Raiders are going to succeed this year and in the future. Is what offensive mind can you put? with Antonio Pierce. I wanted Shane Waldron before he got hired by, by the Bears. That was and the Raiders also are talking to Luke Getze. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh no, no I didn't no. see that. Uh-oh. No. Yeah, that's That's troubling. what I'm saying. That could ruin this. But they finally just did the smart, not bombastic, not flashy thing. And they did what the players wanted. And for that I am relieved. I am happy. And now you just have to go from here. And um <clears throat> Yeah, uh, Mark Davis, uh, good on you, pal. Good on you. Yeah, and as I wrote down here, his reward is competing in a division with likely Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and Jim Harbaugh. So let's see what you got, Antonio Pierce. Look at it. They were were in the contention to win the division with two weeks left in the year. They were. It's not as unrealistic, and we saw kind of how some years these – these leagues, you know, these um, conferences are dumpster fires towards the end yeah, of that yeah. playoff group. So, like, 
you know, they could they could easily sneak in there. If they were just a little bit better this year, they would have been in the playoffs. But <clears throat> very, very happy, very relieved. Like, like when McDaniels got fired, like I threw a party. But when I saw that Pierce got hired, I was just like, oh, thank God. Like, yeah. like just, a, just a collective sigh of relief there. So good on you, Mark Davis. Now, um, don't fuck this up now. <laughs> good vibes in Las Vegas. We'll see if they stay that way. Uh, another coaching hire that was made as we slowly get some of these teams checked off the list for uh, their vacant head coaching positions. The Tennessee Titans hired Brian Callahan. Now, this one was a little bit of a surprise, a uh, former offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, Pat, I feel like if any offensive coordinator was going to get hired, this guy was not necessarily at the top of our list. We've been having our eyes on the Ben Johnsons and the Bobby Slowicks of the world. Um, but it's Brian Callahan in Tennessee. I love it. I, I really love it. You know, we're talking we're we're talking a young coach here. I believe he's only like thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Let's see, thirty nine. Young as hell. Jesus, that's young. Is Bill Callahan his dad? I don't know. I have no idea. <clears throat> that's a good question. Let's 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 find out here because I was gonna I was gonna call nepotism, <laughs> but um oh I should have added the Jeopardy theme song as a sound effect that would have been great oh that would have been good that honestly would have been good <clears throat> is Brian Callahan related to I'm Bill Callahan to Skip's been coming he's gonna oh, no. come yeah Brian is Bill's son so like okay there is a touch of nepotism but the reason I love this so much is someone needs to unleash Will Levis like Will Levis was never gonna thrive in Mike Vrabel's run first system um Mm -hmm. even though that's kind of what the Titans want it seems but they need someone that is going to let Will Levis play to his strengths and his strengths are chucking the ball downfield that one great week he had where he threw three touchdown bombs to DeAndre Hopkins Mm -hmm. I think Brian Callahan is the perfect guy to do that and uh, even with guys like Ben Johnson Bobby Slowick I think this is a home run I think this is a home run hire the the interesting thing about Callahan is he was not the play caller for the Cincinnati Bengals so it's hard to get a beat on exactly what a team under him will look like because obviously you know Offensive coordinators and coaches in general in the NFL can have all sorts of different responsibilities, but all that means is that with the Bengals, he was the guy that put together the offensive game plan, and then somebody else carried it out. So would he have carried it out differently? Maybe. So you can't necessarily look at how the Bengals' offense operated and say that that's how the Titans' offense wants to operate. Like It could have some marginal differences here, but look, I'm interested to see how it plays out. He's not a guy I I have really had an opinion on, to be honest with you. He's not a guy I've considered for uh, a head coaching job. He was been he's been the Bengals OC for like five years um and so we'll, we'll see how it plays out I mean it, it says it's it's a little bit out of left field but I mean it's not I can't objectively say it's a bad hire so I don't know we'll see okay. yeah and it kind of we talked about Ben Johnson to and we talked about last week why this has been such a slow cycle and it's because a lot of these guys can't get interviews yet like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know kind of just looking ahead here like um, multiple teams want to talk to Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, both of the Lions coordinators, uh, again, and they can't. Yeah, and they can't. I mean, let's see who else. Uh, Anthony Weaver, the 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 Ravens defensive line coach, is oh. getting second interviews with Atlanta and Washington, and he's another guy that they can't talk to. Same with Mike McDonald, the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. But these are all guys who are in the mix here. And the biggest thing that gets me, like, outside of Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers, there's, like, no favorites. Like, yeah, it's, every it's year, like, you kind of, like, every year you kind of, like, place a guy in a, in, a, in a job. And it just hasn't happened. No. And 
one of the big questions is like, why hasn't Atlanta just hired Bill Belichick? And it's just like, because they're probably not gonna. Like, yeah. I, or even if they do, they probably want to talk to Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn again. Like, do you want a seventy-something-year-old Bill Belichick right now, or do you want one of the better young mind offensive minds in football? Like, yeah, I, even, even in that, like Bill Belichick, best coach of all time, but still, it's just like you're you're looking at the future. You're you're looking at the future, and the Falcons are either going to try to have to find something out of one of their dog shit quarterbacks, or find a quarterback. <laughs> but yeah. you know, so just some some other names here. You know, Jim Harbaugh's a finalist, it seems, for the Chargers and the Falcons. Hero Averro, the uh, the Panthers defensive coordinator, former Broncos. He's a finalist in Atlanta. He's a finalist in Seattle. Um, but uh, one guy that I think it, it's time. Um, it's time for Raheem Morris to get another shot. Let's get that. Uh, let's get that Washington coaching graphic even more juicy, baby. Let's get him I, a job. I, I do believe he is going to be in Seattle. I think he is the perfect okay. fit for Seattle because, like Dan Quinn's another guy that they've talked to there. Um, you know, they're the kind of team that seems like they don't necessarily want one of these young, flashy offensive coaches. Like, you know, Patrick Graham, don't leave the Raiders, Patrick Graham, defensive, Raiders <laughs> defensive coordinator. Um, he's a finalist. It seems like they want to go defense. And you hear around the league, everybody just loves Raheem Morris. Like, when he was the Bucks coach, which was probably, like, almost 15 years ago, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to look right now to when he coached the, the, the Bucks. Um. Yeah, he was thirteen years ago. He got fired oh, as the oh Bucks coach, and he was young. He wasn't ready. He was a defensive yeah. backs wide receiver coach. He was not ready. What he's done in Los Angeles as defensive coordinator has been great. Has been great, and I think that's what Seattle needs right now. So you know, we talk about like putting guys in certain situations. That would probably be like my first pick. Like if I had to pick anyone to go anywhere, I'm picking Raheem Morris to go to Seattle, but like the rest of these teams, it's like, what, what, what the, what the hell do they do? Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting finish to the coaching cycle. Whenever all these spots do get filled. Cause you're right. It doesn't seem like you can really place anybody. It's like, even, even the Ben Johnson's and the Bobby Slowicks, who at least for a little while we thought were, you know, pretty much shoe wins to get a head coaching job. And maybe they still are. We still can't place a single team for any of these guys. It's like yeah. some some might be a little bit warmer of a rumor than others, but it's like there's not like, oh, this one team is probably going to hire Ben Johnson, you know, once the Lions get eliminated or whatever it is. <laughs> um, it's just kind of all these coordinators are – just kind of interviewing everywhere. It's like they're just walking past each other as they're walking into the interview room, you yeah, know, and now one team to the next. And so there's a lot of great candidates here. Like, even Aaron Glenn. Aaron yeah. Glenn deserves to be a head coach. Talk about Bobby Slowick. I, I honestly think Dave Canales might get this Panthers job here. Just because I, I think so. team, I'm Just because I one. think teams have probably seen back-to-back what he's done with Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. It's like Bryce Young, uh, different situations, but Bryce Young needs a big development. And maybe teams have seen that, like, hey, Dave Canales can bring that out of, uh, can bring that out of some of these quarterbacks. So, you know, it, it's, it doesn't seem terribly far fetched, especially since they've really only, it's Canales and Raheem Morris are the only guys that are confirmed second interviews, and they interviewed a lot of guys. So yeah. it's like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 
It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where all these guys ultimately end up. Uh, Pat, some other coordinators that are now on the street, though, uh, just to touch on this. The Eagles have fired both Sean Desai and Brian Johnson as they look to start anew with their coordinator group. This is what I, I think is the right move uh, for all of the fire Sirianni folks out there. I was never really on that train because it's one year, man. Like maybe he's not a good coach, but I don't think this was the year to evaluate that. It was coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Give the guy another chance to get his coordinators right because once again, don't forget he was the guy that brought in Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon who got poached and went to other teams. So yep. you know, pardon Sirianni for not nailing it again right after those guys left. This, it's, it's not an easy thing to nail. This screams Frank Reich as offensive coordinator. Like the oh, wow. um, Sirianni was Reich's offensive coordinator in yeah. Indy, and yep. that's where Sirianni got hired from. You know, in terms of familiarity, it seems like Frank Reich is almost like the obvious. It may, it may not end up happening, but just like that was the first name that my head jumped to as soon yeah. as that happened. Obviously, they're going to bring back Matt Patricia, a handsome defensive genius. <laughs> but no, no it, it was the right move. Like I, I thought it was fair to fire Sirianni last week. I said that probably would have been my decision had I been the GM. But I, I, I think it is fair to hang on to him, give him one more shot here to try and find the right coordinators. And if it doesn't work next year, bye-bye. Yeah, see, like, see, like, see you later. This is a this is a last chance for him. So they're going to have to do it. And it's not on our show sheet here, but we, <clears throat> but I've got to mention this. What the hell are the Cowboys doing? One second, I got to clear my throat really loud. <laughs> I'm I'm muted for that. Um, but man of the people, say what you will about keeping Mike McCarthy. I think that that in itself is a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Like this man, Agreed. like they're talking. Like Jerry Jones is talking about his regular season success. Whoop the fucking do! <clears throat> like who the fuck cares? Like you are the Dallas Cowboys. You are America's team. You are a so-called football institution, and you are okay with that. But so, so say whatever. You're Jerry Jones. You got to keep Mike McCarthy, and you're not going to extend him. Like yeah. you've either got to go all in and say Mike McCarthy's our guy, and I'm extending him, or you got to get rid of him. What is the point of him coaching on an expiring contract? When we know damn well he's probably just going to get let go at the end of the year next year, it's just it's just an asinine move, and I just I don't get it. Like you, you see, they they panned to Jerry Jones how pissed off he was in that game, and then for him to turn around and just be like, "Oh yeah, this is fine," is is just mind boggling. But then you bring him back, go all in, but. I, that one just really, really bothers me. What what I'll say about that is, like, I, I hear what you're saying about either go all in or get rid of him. Extending Mike McCarthy might cause riots, like, they, which is why you should just fire him. Like, I, I agree. Why, they they should have fired him. That is 100 percent where I'm at with that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I'll just stick with that side of things. I don't know why they didn't fire him because now this smells like you can always smell a few of them before the next year comes, Pat. Mid-season coach firings. And maybe not because Mike McCarthy is so good in the regular season. Maybe they won't fire him in the midseason. But it feels like one of those to me, much like Dennis Allen in New Orleans, where it's like these guys are probably, if they make it to next season, um, just going to be one of the first guys to get let go when the season gets underway, you know, after six, eight weeks, whatever it is. Um, Yeah, I don't – after an embarrassing loss like that, to make essentially – you know, no uh, changes up top is, is is very odd to me. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Keeping Mike McCarthy, I don't know what the fuck he has proven 
other than, like you said, regular season victories um, to, to earn this sort of faith that he's getting in Dallas. It's very weird, uh, but I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I don't think we'll see him on the sideline beyond next season. Um, one other head coaching note here, I just because just I'm biased and I want to talk about the Patriots, uh, I got a little blurb from ESPN that Gerard Mayo is reportedly willing to burn some cash, which is nice because as ESPN's Mike Reese reported, the Patriots have been one of the lowest spenders overall in the NFL the last decade or so. Um, look, I just enjoy seeing this. It, it doesn't mean anything until the plan is actually brought into action, but it's getting me more excited for the Gerard Mayo hire because it feels like despite him being on a Belichick coaching staff, it feels very much like we are getting sort of a new wave of things here in New England. And I like that as a start. Yeah, see, that that's the thing is, like, you hear that and your first thought is, oh, yeah, right, the Patriots don't spend it all. This isn't the Patriots anymore. Like, this yeah. is, like, it's even different. though he is a Belichick disciple, I think this is a different team, and it's almost hard for me to pass judgment on it just because, like, this is the only Patriots we've known for two decades. Yeah. And especially of late with some of Bill's decisions. But if they really want to do that, because, I mean, they've got the pieces on defense, you know, maybe this turnaround could be quicker than than we thought it might be. Yeah, I mean, I'm praying for you know a Texans esque turnaround where it's like you get these draft picks. You, I guess the Texans didn't bring in too many free agents. Uh, you know, Sheldon Rankin's definitely a good one, but uh, you know, whatever. In general, if the Patriots could pull a, a quick turnaround to at least be not embarrassing and maybe in the playoff hunt, you know, in the latter weeks of the season versus me checking out of what they've been doing by week eight like i did this year um that would be that would be wonderful and i think mayo look he's saying all the right things obviously there's a lot left to go you got to put the plan into action but he's saying the right things and i'm thankful for that at least and it's getting me excited for the future uh pat we'll move on to our viewer questions here uh fuck it i'm not even gonna hit the sound effect i don't care i haven't hit any other sound effects except Stephen a i'm coming the show so we'll just jump into it i thought this question was funny uh because i hadn't thought about this is it a coincidence that the top four tight ends in the league are on the four remaining playoff teams and i was like huh Yes, it definitely is, but I hadn't thought it's, about it's the fact. It's also that I don't see the Vikings in, in the final four here. That's so a good point. That's a good point. Is, that's a that's good the point. only thing that stops me from saying this is that I don't know who he's better than. I think he's better than George Kittle. I think TJ Hawkinson is better than George Kittle, at least cons- the fact, from a consistency standpoint, too. Yeah, the Mo- fact mostly. that there is arguably the top four tight. I mean, yeah, I think he'd be hard-pressed not to consider Hawk a top it's a four. Fu- but. It's a fun coincidence, but it, it yeah. is it is a fun coincidence because obviously none of these guys are carrying it all. No, I mean, they're to, all great, but, but just, yeah, they're yeah, not the difference. Just, uh, just, just a, it, it is a fun coincidence there. Brock Bauer's about to go 101 to the Chicago Bears because of Atlanta Falcons in particular. Oh yeah, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, next question here. This one, this one, this one pushed my buttons a little bit, Pat. This question: <laughs> Why do you, why do you hate Tony Pollard? He was a 1K rusher this year. He's been good. First of all, let me tell you. I was one of the biggest proponents of Tony Pollard before oh, God, this I, season. He was one of my pals. I, I do not hate the guy. I am simply disappointed in what he's done this year. And for you to come in here and disingenuously say that he's been good because he's a thousand yard rusher. Pat, you want to know how many yards Tony Pollard rushed for this year? One thousand five. You were close. Oh, I was so close. I was damn close. He was five yards over the threshold, so he just got to the mark to be able to call himself a thousand-yard rusher. Pat, Pat, and guy who asked this question. This is uh, this is for you, thirty-one Parker. Tony Pollard was the starting, supposed to be bell cow running back 
for the Dallas Cowboys. He was the bell one, cow. And he, was I, just bad. he was the bell cow running back for the Dallas Cowboys, one of the best offenses in the league. This man played all 17 games, barely squeaked over 1,000 yards, averaged 4.0 yards per carry this year after 5.2 and 5.5 the years prior. And I know there's destined to be a bit of a drop when you go from part-time running back to full-time running back. I understand. But not over a full yard's worth of efficiency. Tony Pollard was by no stretch of the imagination good this year. Tony no, Pollard it, it, put up stats, some of yeah, them. That was it, it. Yeah, empty stats because, and especially from a fantasy perspective, the whole thing was, that, oh my God, Tony Pollard's going to do everything this year and score all the rushing touchdowns. Right. Like, right. I think that's mostly the thing, too, is that, like, sure, he ran for a bunch of yards, but fantasy, he was disappointing you week in and week out. So, yeah. He, he was disappointing, and it's going to be even more disappointing when they bring in a, a version of Zeke this offseason. Yeah. They might bring him, in Zeke. Which will, ca- which, will once again, Zeke. which will once again <laughs> cap his ceiling. But maybe that's what he needs. I, I don't and, know. And and just to just to not sound like a hypocrite, because we talked about Rashad White, and you know, even though we talked him down, we still agreed he had a he had a decent year. Rashad White had a decent year. The the expectation and the opportunity in the Cowboys offense is mm. not comparable to the expectation and the opportunity in the Bucks offense. Like Tony Pollard had everything working in his favor to be a 1,400-yard, double-digit touchdown sort of rusher this year, and he didn't even sniff that. Every single game, if you watch Tony Pollard play, every single game you wanted more from him this season, and you didn't you're, get it. You're so, right. look, Tony Pollard, I don't hate the guy by any stretch. I am simply I very disappointed in what he ultimately put out this year. And then finally, Pat, I want you to answer this as well because I am so curious to see what godforsaken right. answer you spit out. Okay, no, I, oh, so I'm, I'm any, not going to make any jokes here. I anybody can't. watching? Anybody watching live? Uh, I am wearing a St. Louis WWE Royal Rumble shirt. I went there two years ago. I also went to last year in San Antonio. It is Royal Rumble weekend. I will be there again in Tampa this Saturday for the men's and women's WWE Royal Rumble. So somebody asked me who is winning the Royal Rumbles. Pat, my picks, uh, because they're basic, I am going, I believe that Cody Rhodes will win the Men's Royal Rumble, and I believe Becky Lynch will win the Women's Royal Rumble. Pat here does not watch wrestling. All right, so I just Googled Googled who will win the Royal Rumble. Um, The first thing that popped up is a man named CM Punk. No, I I actually do do know who that is. I, I do know who that is now. I uh, oh, who are who are the fee? Who, who's going to win the the? Uh, oh God, Google's not being good. Google is sexist. They're not giving me a good answer here. They're only giving who, you the men. Who is winning the women's? Yeah, you know they know they know how I like it. Um, <laughs> pause. All right, who will win the royal the women's royal rumble? It's giving me videos. I don't. Oh God. Who, you bet you um, do your is Charlotte Flair in this? She's the only Char- one I know. Charlotte, Charlotte Flair's ACL is extremely torn right now, and she is not uh, in the Women's Royal Rumble. Who, who did you pick? <laughs> Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Okay, great pick. That The funniest thing is you could very well end up being more right than me. Cody Rhodes and CM Punk are like 1, 1A, 1B. People are pretty sure one of them is going to win, but we don't know which one. So you may actually get this right, which would be very funny. Um, but, Pat, before we go off, anything left you want to say to the people? Um, you guys are lucky because a previous me would have made some very unsavory WWE jokes. But I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to do that right now. 
I appreciate that. Pat is respecting the craft. All right, folks. I will be at the Royal Rumble, and I will be back reporting what I saw next week. And I guess, you know, talking about the AFC and NFC title games, too. Uh, All right. For Pat Gustafson, I am Brandon Carney, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.